The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. So this morning we're picking up our story in the uh, beginning of Genesis chapter 12. And uh, in Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country. Let me read that again, just to be clear. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went... As the Lord had told him, and Lot went, up, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, all the possessions that they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham travelled throughout the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued towards the Negev. This is one of those passages that reminds me of why I like the Discovery Bible Study so much because it causes you, the purpose of Discovery Bible Study is to, you have passages like this that you've heard so often and you have this very familiar, this is what the story tells you and then when you stop and you really engage with the scripture and you, 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 you play it over and over again in your mind and you realise the importance of the story and you realise the details that are there that you often miss. Till I began to prepare this passage of long held to the understanding that while Abraham was living in the era of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, God had called him to leave his father's household and to go on this journey and that God would lead him to a new land. It's sort of like you know, one of those mystery holidays that you book. You know, you, you book, you, you pay your money and the travel agent will then give you little directions along the way. And it's not until you arrive at the destination you go, ah, this is, this is the place. Problem is, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, to your father's household, to a land I'll show you. It kind of unpacks it in that way. However, last Sunday, as we concluded chapter 11, we're told that Terah his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and uh, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his wife of his, the wife of his son Abraham. And together they set out from Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. And we're also told in Stephen's sermon, up in the uh, New Testament, in the book of Acts, Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Stephen said, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people 
God said, go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Iran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. So according to Stephen, God called Abraham while he was still living in Ur and sent him on this journey, which saw Abraham go first to Haran and then on to Canaan. And I remember being told in sermons in the days gone by um, that Abraham was disobedient because he didn't leave his father's household, but rather he took Terah with him to Haran and only after Terah died did Abraham go in obedience, sort of, wasn't totally obedient, because he still took some of his father's household with him, namely Lot. However, Genesis 11 clearly says that the journey from Ur to Canaan was Terah's idea. So I'm sitting there going, so who planned the journey? And when? In Ur? In Haran? And who did what? And, and, and when? And why? So this is how I kind of think the story plays out, but I'm still kind of a little bit uncertain because we're not given absolute clarity. So I picture Terah and Abram and the family are living in Ur. As we said last week, Terah is probably making and selling idols until one day, for whatever reason, we're not told the reason, he decides it's time to leave. It's time to get out of town and to move the family to Canaan and to stop over in Haran on the way. Around the same time, God says to Abraham, leave your country and your people and go to the land I will show you. So together, Terah, for whatever reason he has, and Abraham, because he's been given direction or maybe confirmation from God that this move is within God's purposes for him, Terah, Abraham and family depart Ur. The family arrives in Haran and settles there for a time, around five years, and then Terah dies and God appears again to Abraham. Actually, we're told that the Lord had said to Abraham, and I'm going, when was the had? Had he said, is this referring back to Ur again, as Stephen says, which I believe is when God spoke to him? Or has God spoken to him again, now in Iran? Maybe Terah's death was the trigger that reminded Abraham of God's command to go on to Canaan. Actually, God said to Abraham to go to the land I will show you, not Canaan specifically. Or maybe it was following Terah's death that Abraham felt free to obey, having fulfilled the obligations to his father. But for those of you who think about some of the teachings of Jesus where Jesus said well let the dead bury their dead maybe there's kind of a still a disobedience in the story or maybe God appears to Abraham once more in Haran to restate to expand on the calling not really sure certainly as the story continues to unfold we find God appearing to Abraham and then later, as he's renamed Abraham, he, God appears to him time and time again 
to restate the promise, to restate the call, and to expand on what that calling means. Certainly at this point, the writer shares more details, whether this is part of the original call on Ur, or just simply part of a subsequent appearance in Haran. Because this time the writer records that God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so I still find myself going with Abraham disobedient, waiting in Haran. Or was the delay part of God's timing, part of God's planning? You know, back a very long time ago, in 1977, I was 17 years of age, and I felt something stir in my spirit, that full-time ministry, and I've changed the whole language around that now, but what I called back then full-time ministry was what God was calling me to. It was 10 years later, I'd moved from Gisborne to Hamilton, I'd got married, and uh, then we both felt the call, and the time was right. And we went and did our training, and the rest is, as they say, history. It's one thing to know God's purposes, it's another to know God's timing. I remember hearing and, and reading stuff about the gift of prophecy and when, when God brings a, a, a word to a person who, has, who receives prophecies, one of the first things that they must do is receive the word. The second thing they must receive is the timing for the delivery of that word. The other thing that strikes me is when I was told that Abraham was disobedient by not leaving Terah behind, and then we've got this wrestling with, was it Terah's idea, was it Abraham's idea? And I kind of landed in the same space you touched on to Bill. We have this false dichotomy between the natural and the supernatural. You see, Proverbs 19 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. That doesn't mean that a person's plans are a waste of time. God expects us to use all of the resources that he has entrusted to us in the natural. We don't have these natural gifts and abilities and resources and then we have these supernatural ones over here that we use on a Sunday when we go to church and these ones over here when we go to work. And so Altera's plan in the natural was to move the family to Canaan. God was more than able to work in and around and if necessary bring about the changes to those plans. The writer doesn't tell us that maybe it was a, a God prompt and something in Terah's spirit. See, God had obviously spoken to his son back in Ur while he's busy making his idols. Maybe God stirred something in the heart of Terah that says, I've got to get my family out of this place. It was an idolatrous place. 
And maybe seeing what God was doing in his son and reminding him of the past, reminding him of the stories of old, reminding him maybe as we talked that he would have been there as part of the whole uh, uh, stirring up of the, the population at Babel. Maybe something in that stirred terror. Maybe God laid something in, a, uh, something in his heart. Who knows? But let's not separate out our plans from God's plans. Because we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Not just in the spiritual things, but in all things. The difference is, Corinthians says, that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't do away with our thoughts. We don't ignore our thoughts saying, well, those are just our thoughts. But we take those thoughts and we make it obedient to Christ. Hey, God, I've got this thought. And if God doesn't go, you can't go there, then maybe you just start moving in that direction because maybe God's planted that thought. And so God appears to Abraham and Ur, gives them the command to go and the possibility of another appearance in Haran. And now, in verse 6, we find that Abraham has travelled and he has now arrived in the land of the Canaanites. And again, God adds to the call. He says, to your offspring, I will give this land. Stand where you are, survey the land. If you uh, come from the Gisborne area, you'll know the name H.B. Williams. H.B. Uh, Williams is a fairly wealthy trust, wealthy family, the Williams family. And the story goes is that he had a beautiful white horse, white stallion, and that he went up onto a certain point on the east coast and negotiated with the Māori chief who wanted his horse. And he says, if I can have all the land that I can see from here for my horse. And so the trade was done, and so the Williams family established their wealth. Now, whether that's a good trade or not, I kind of imagine the same thing as God's God Abraham in this place. He says, see all the land that you can see. I'm going to give this to your offspring. Very rarely does God up front unpack the whole story for us. You know, when we're reading the story of Paul, there was the point where uh, Ananias was told, I have told Paul everything he must suffer for my name. And I remember at the time going, I'm glad he didn't do that to me. I would have freaked. In fact, forget about all I'd have to suffer. Just if he told me all that he was going to send me and call me and give me the opportunity to do. If he told me that when I was a 17-year-old or a 27-year-old, I'm not sure I would have engaged on the journey. God is continually unravelling the story to us. Certainly Abraham's experience to this point and into the future as the story continues to unfold is that God continues to unfold the story to him, to continue to detail the revelation. (laughs) 
For us to know that at the beginning of the journey could be kind of mind-blowing. As I say, I think back if I thought as a 17 or 18-year-old where my life's journey has taken me, my responses along the way may have been quite different. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. However, as we grow and mature, and as our faith grows and matures, God continues to reveal more of himself and more and more of his plans and purposes for us. And like Abraham, we just need to keep listening and walking in obedience. And as you, we unfold the story of Abraham and Abraham, and those of you who already know a lot of the story will know that Abraham didn't get every foot in the right place. Abraham frequently failed. And like Abraham, many times we will stumble and we will fall. But God knew that when he called us. God knows the end from the beginning. And so if he's called you to something and you've kind of dropped the ball, God knew that you had dropped the ball. If you've ignored him for a while and, and gone off to do your own thing, that's okay. God knew you'd do that. But God still called you. And he promises that he will bring to completion that which he started. And in Abraham, what God was starting was massive. I wonder if Abraham really, really understood even a fraction of what God had in mind. God says to him, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Think about it for a moment. Abraham is 75. Sarai is 65. And God has called them to leave everything that they know, everything that they're comfortable with, everything they are familiar with. Sure, Ur was a place of idolatry. But Canaan isn't exactly paradise. As we're told, when they got to Canaan, the Canaanites were there. And if you think of the story following the flood, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Japheth was the one who created problems. And the curse fell on Canaan, on the Canaanites. So this was a people cursed from that moment. So it's not a great place to live. While in Haran, they had been blessed. We're told that when they left, they took all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. Haran had been fruitful years for them. Ur was idolatry. Haran was fruitful and Canaan was full of Canaanites. Where would you go? But those of us who are older in years can testify that the best place to be is in the centre of God's will. To know what God has called you to and to be there no matter what else surrounds you. And then God continues, I will bless you, those who bless you, 
And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I can imagine Abraham counting, working out, you know, Dad was at the Tower of Babel and saw all that happen, and kind of, how many people must there be on all the earth? And God's going, you should wait and see what I'm going to do. Seven, heading for eight billion people on the planet. And God's intent was through this one man to bless everyone, all the peoples. And how? By sending his son as a descendant of Abraham. I think back over the story so far. Adam and Eve had a call on their lives. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then after the flood, Noah had a call. God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And now Abraham has a call. Go from your country. I will bless you. All nations will be blessed through you. And as we follow the story through, Jesus had a call. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. There's so many passages of the New Testament that we could pick up as being part of the calling of Christ. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So much in the calling on Christ. And you and I have a call. A collective one. An individual calls. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Again, what Bill said. When he planted Jesus in the ground, I love that. When he planted in the Jesus in the ground, the fruit that he was looking for was Jesus and you and me. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And of course, the one that I often come back to, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In fact, the translation is of all people groups. All those people that would be blessed through Abraham, we are to be agents of that blessing. Like Abraham and Sarai, we will stumble and we will fall, but like them, God will continue to work out his purposes in us and through us if we continue to look to him. That song we sang, most of you will know that the story was that Jesus, or that the disciples are out in the fishing boat and Jesus comes to them walking across the water. And stupid Peter says, Oh, Jesus, if, if you call to me, I will come out and walk out to you. And so Jesus says, Yeah, come on, Peter. 
And so Peter steps out of the boat and shortly he begins to look and he sees the winds and the waves and he suddenly loses faith. But he had more guts than you and I. He stepped out of the boat. Thanks for sharing that, Beth. When God calls us, and God is calling us, God is calling each of us, and he's calling us collectively to do some stuff, which steps us out of the boat. And it's going to take us to places that he will show us, and things that we don't know and we don't understand, and we will get some stuff wrong along the way. But Father God, my prayer is that like Abraham and Sarai, you would be patient with us. And you would give our faith room to grow. But you would continue to speak to us, lead us, show us where it is that you would have us go. That Father God, together, we might walk into all that you have for us. Not for us but because, God, you've placed us here and you've called us to this community. God, I pray that this community would be blessed by your presence in each one of us. I ask this and through the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.